0: My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. I speak to you this morning in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's already the fourth Sunday of Advent, and you may be asking yourself, how can this be? It is that particular time of year, some would say the most wonderful time of the year, and we are in the mood for miracles. We find ourselves largely hopeful that something unexpected will happen, something mysterious and glorious all at once. It may be as simple as our families getting along at Christmas. It may be as grandiose as getting what you most desperately desire from the Neiman Marcus Christmas catalog. It may be as bittersweet as having just one other person to share Christmas with this year. We are waiting, filled with hope, for a miracle. Miracles are the most holy of things, they lift up the thin veil between our reality and the reality of God. They fill us with joy and wonder and a whole lot of questions. But when we touch the miraculous, we encounter the holy. Former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, writes that what we call holy in the world, a person, a place, a set of words or pictures, is so because it is a transitional place, a borderland, where the completely foreign is brought together with the familiar. Here is somewhere that looks as if it belongs in the world we are at home in, but in fact leads directly to strangeness, the familiar strangeness of God. That all-odd knowledge of divine mystery. When we encounter the holy, we find ourselves less concerned with how it happens and instead marvel at the fact that it touches us and changes us, and we welcome it. We welcome the knowledge that God is at work in marvelous ways around us and through us, even though we can't explain it we have this natural urge to reach out and accept it. We are a people as Christians who proclaim that God became incarnate, was made man, crucified, died, buried, descended to the dead, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. That's a lot of stuff. And in the early days of the church, the emphasis was centered on Jesus' life and ministry, his death and resurrection, his teachings and his fulfillment of the great prophecies. It wasn't until almost a century later, after his death, that someone stopped to say, maybe we should paint the full picture. It wasn't that the story of Jesus' miraculous birth was unknown, it was that it was just so widely accepted. Just another one of those miracles of God in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is a desire in us, a yearning, to know the beginning so that we may better understand the end. This desire to know the full story is also oddly particular to this time of year. For example, the holiday season is when movie companies push biographical stories the most— Look at the films out right now about Stephen Hawking or Alan Turing or Louis Zamperini. These are men who achieved great things, but their achievements, their story, cannot be fully told or understood without knowing their beginnings. So we, on the fourth Sunday of Advent, look to Christ's earthly beginning. It's the annunciation to Mary by the angel Gabriel that she will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, conceive and bear a son, the Son of God, who will redeem the whole world. Now, you and I have had encounters with the Holy. We have known that familiar strangeness of God's presence in perfectly regular trappings. But I doubt that any of us have had the angel Gabriel appear to tell us directly what God's will for our life is. And if you have, I'd love to hear about it. In this encounter, this miraculous moment, Mary is at once familiar and strange to us. There are thousands of interpretations about this moment, and more than a handful of doctrines across denominations about Mary herself, her goodness her perfection, her meekness, her strength. But today I want to take a new look at this moment. An angel appears. Every time an angel shows up out of the Bible, some of their first words are, don't be afraid. Angels are depicted as giant, glowing beings. Not human, but immediately recognizable as familiar to us. The last time Gabriel showed up, he predicted the destruction of a nation. Now, I don't know if angels wear name tags or hand out calling cards when they show up, but Gabriel's messages and presence usually spell out chaos. In fact, when Gabriel says, do not be afraid, he says it in a way that means even more. Gabriel tells Mary, like he's told others before her, the same thing, don't be afraid in this moment. Or in any time to come. Because everything is about to change. Everything is about to change. Why? Because you have found favor with God. Now Mary is exceptional, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, Mary is a person just like you and me. The favor that Mary is given is the same word for grace. You have with you, Gabriel tells her, the grace of God. Mary, like so many before her and so many after, will be changed irrevocably and totally by this awareness of God's favor towards her, of the extension of his grace. For Mary, that means conceiving and bearing the Son of God. So Gabriel delivers this almighty message, and the first words out of Mary's mouth are, how can this be? In those four words, I think Mary shares the heart of our own faith journeys. How can this be? Haven't you asked that same question when you enter that borderland of holiness? Haven't you wondered how can it be when you feel the presence of God and you notice at once that it is both foreign and familiar? How can this be? This is the question that is asked over and over again in the Bible and in our own lives of faith. The response to Mary is the response God gives to all of us again and again. Create for me a home in your very being. There is a mixture of awe and fear, wonder and amusement in this question. What is Mary to do with the knowledge that God is inviting her into creating God's kingdom? This is one of the richest faith stories we have in the Bible, but it can be difficult to place ourselves in it. If we are a mother or a parent, we can appreciate the miraculous nature of birth. If we are neither of those things, we can still marvel at the miracle. We can all appreciate Mary's responses to God. How can this be, coupled with here I am? But where for us is the familiar strangeness of this holy moment in our own lives? Where is the borderland in our own hearts? The richness of this story lies in its particularity. But like any story worth its salt, there's more than meets the eye. There's something great and holy hovering just beyond this story that echoes faintly in our own hearts, prompting us to say, how can it be? This favor Luke speaks of is the grace of God, but this is not passive favor just laid up on a platter. No, this grace is an answer. It is God extending towards us, It is saying in a single word that God himself is always leaning towards us, eager to draw closer, and that reaching nearness of God is a blessing. We have this image of God reaching and stretching towards us, and when it is recognized as grace and love, freely given, a love so eager that it cannot help but want to act in us and through us, to dwell in us and be made known to the world, that love, this perfect grace, when it is recognized, will change everything. Mary is told that she will conceive and bear a son. But these words narrow the greater story of God's grace being told in this passage the Greek word for conceiving is also the word to seize. And the natural result of that seizing is that something will come to fruition. Something new will be yielded from this grasping of grace that God is extending towards us. God leans toward us as a great force of love given freely in grace, and when we acknowledge it, when we seize it for our own, we are overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. We are enveloped in it. And when we are enveloped by God and seize grace, there is always, always, always a result the overshadowing presence of God, the enveloping of the Holy Spirit, the making of a place in our being for God to dwell and be known to the world always brings God's plan to pass. As it was with Mary, so it is with you and I. We ask God, How can it be? And with minor hesitation, we also have to answer, Here I am. Make your promises good with me. That's the familiar strangeness. We speak of God's leaning towards us often as a calling, a type of siren song. The exquisite mystery of God reaching out to each of us is that in each of us, just like Mary, there is the opportunity that God will dwell in us and make himself known. This calling... And our obedience to it is strange because it is neither optional nor forced. When we notice that we are in that borderland, we cannot help but choose to follow the call. Even though we may be perplexed or scared, we are compelled to return God's embrace. I'll give you an example. An example I've been thinking about a lot lately, especially over the past week. A few years ago, on a quiet day at seminary, I was sitting in the rowdy roost, or the choir loft, as we called it, during a Eucharist. And I was watching a priest walk back to the altar. And from the back, she looked a lot like me. White robe, long brown hair. And all of a sudden, I felt this great pressure. This sense of being wrapped completely in something warm. And my first thought was, Oh, there you are. And my second thought followed immediately is, Oh, that's what you want me to do. Then I almost threw up. (laughs) I left the chapel immediately. I couldn't take it. But I also couldn't shake that embrace that I felt and the message that I heard. So I did the only thing I could do. And I said, here I am. And believe me, it's changed everything. The boundless mystery of God's grace and love is that God wants you, as much as he wanted Mary, the mother of God, to carry the light of Christ into the world. I wholly believe that at this moment, God's grace is extending towards you. And if you are willing to make that journey towards holiness, towards the promise of everything changing, and yet not being afraid, if you seize with your whole being that God favors you and loves you, you will know that as God's beloved child, you are called to do something that will make you fully yourself. And you will bring God's healing grace into this broken world. God's love is so great that it cannot hold still. God's love is so great that it seeks constantly to break into the world. Mary took the risk to bring God into this world, to make God tangible, and the whole world changed. All things are reconciled to God through that action, through that person of Christ, And in Christ, the reaching of God towards us extends to become one of us so that we may embrace God fully. Where will you awaken to the strange familiar this week? Where will you journey towards the borderland and seize the holy? Glory be to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine.